Open your Bible, if you would, please. Today, uh, I've switched the series around a little bit, and what I've done is I've kind of um, taken on a, a bit of a different angle because I believe what I want to say is more targeted than what I'd planned to say. So let me give you the theme for the next three months. Repeat with me, please. Say, taking charge. Taking charge. That's the theme for the next three months. I'm going to be talking about ways to take charge. If you remember, this part of the year, we're talking about what to do about what happened to us. Well, what you do when you see things in your life weren't what you dreamed they would be when you looked in the mirror, you take charge. You take charge. This is what we're going to do. And, and then next year, I got another whole theme for you. I promise it's going to be exciting. But I want to talk about taking charge of your family gumbo. I wanted to narrow in what I want you to take charge of. I was going to talk about taking charge of your life. Remember that, right? But I'll, I'll do that later. Here's what I'm going to talk about now. This is your life, but I want to talk about your life and family. Certain things have happened, and, I, and I've said this to people who inspired this. I said, you've inspired me to change my series. Some of my series has been adjusted because lately I've been doing a lot of counseling. And in counseling people, I found myself engaged in a confusing image that I, I didn't quite know how to define. And I just kind of came to this conclusion after all these conversations I've had that there is a family gumbo that we create. If you can imagine you're standing in the kitchen and you have this big pot in the middle between you and your spouse or you and your children, and in the middle you are both contributing to the ingredients of this gumbo. Now after last night's service, some people came up to me and said, hey, you know, gumbo has to be cooked slow. And they even told me to put it in the crock pot and leave it on all night in some cases. That's some bad gumbo. I'm a, I'm a gumbo fan. Now, don't everybody go cook me a pot, okay? Because I know what'll happen. I'll start having pots arrive at church. <laughs> oh, no, I will. I'll start having pots because they'll feel the lid of God. Don't do it. Uh, because it's just too many people. You understand. Praise God. But the point is, there's this amazing thing about gumbo. And everywhere I go, I taste it. I mean, if I'm in a restaurant and they got gumbo, you know I'm going to get a little taste. And uh, I've learned, though, that some gumbo can be good and some gumbo can be bad. And it depends on what the ingredients are. The question you want to ask yourself is, what have we put into our family gumbo? And the word gumbo here in our, in our context means relationship. What have we created between me and my children? What's it taste like? What, is it, what does it taste like when we relate? What would be interesting in about three weeks, next week I talk about taking, um, I talk about taking, uh, making a decision. And the following week I'm going to talk about your, your, the history of your gumbo. I'm going to talk about the importance of you understanding the way you cook is part of the way you were taught to cook. The ingredients you put in. For example, do you know that some people up from up north put sugar in their grits? Can you believe that? I'm just curious. Is there anybody in here from up north who does that? You put sugar in your grits. Raise your hand. And you go to this church, right? Lord, have mercy. It's amazing. Now, what's amazing is, understand, if I were from there, I probably would do the same thing. But... I just can't do that and go to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm joking. But you understand, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, to me, it's foreign. It's absolutely foreign. I couldn't imagine it. And you can't imagine it without it. There, and that's what relationships are like. When you're in a relationship with people, they have ingredients that you can't imagine that they have. They have ways of thinking, ways of engaging life that you can't imagine. And that's, that's the gumbo issue. And what often happens is when you marry people, you don't know what, how they cook. You don't, you've never eaten their gumbo. Dating gumbo and marriage gumbo can be different. <laughs> it is a little different. Um, you say, but, but, but can't you, but I think you can do some research 
if you ask the right questions and allow the right conversations and give enough time, you can kind of start figuring out how the gumbo, how they prepare gumbo. And so what I did was I came up with uh, a question that I wanna, want you to think about for the rest of the sermon. You ready? So how have you, have you contributed, contributed to the taste of your family gumbo? Now, I want you to know how personal I made that, your, your pronoun, you. How, how, how have you contributed? Now, forget your neighbor, forget your friend. We're not talking about them. We're talking about your side of the pot. What did you put in? Salt, pepper, what did you put in? That's all we're talking about. We always talk about what somebody else put in. No, 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 no. Just you. How do you contribute? Now, you can assume everything I put in is always good. And when I, when I, I mean, hey, I know how to cook. Now, see, that's the problem, see. You have to understand, we both contribute to the gumbo. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. We both contribute to the gumbo. And if you're a family of four or five, you all contribute. You all contribute to the way this family tastes. And if you don't understand that, you, you might get in trouble. And the problem you have is, well, I know who's putting the most salt in. See, that's the problem. So let's not talk about them. Let's just talk about you. And a good thing to do is to look back over your life and say, okay, if every relationship I've been in has ended this way, what has, what's been the common link? If everything always ends in a big firestorm, could it be that the way I cook gumbo, could that be an issue? The way I communicate, the way I talk. I believe there are some people who will never, listen to me, this is so important, you will never marry the person you dream of. You're too salty. You like salt in your gumbo. You like a little spice, a little yelling, a little cussing. A little, you know, like a little, there are things you like. There's some things you like that some people could never, ever digest. Not long. You have to understand, that's, that's not because you're a bad person. That's because they don't like salt. Like, I don't like sugar in my grits. I mean, it's nothing personal. You're not a bad person because you put sugar in your grits. We're just different. And somehow, if you really want to interact with people, you've got to learn how to deal with people. Pastors sometimes ask me, why, don't you, why doesn't your church grow? Because the way you, you salt your soup. The gumbo you cook every Sunday is too long. You never get out of here. The sermon has no direction. Some people just can't tolerate that. You split too many verbs. I mean, you know, it's just, there's some things they can't, I'm serious, they can't tolerate that. Uh-huh, and I'm telling you now, I know God. That's fine for some people, and it's fine for me. I, I like it. I don't have a problem with saying preaching, but I know that if I'm going to reach the masses, I can't just do that. If I do that, I limit where I go. I limit where I, I can't go. In, how's a translator going to translate that in Brazil? Uh-huh. I mean, what's he going to say? I mean, what's he going to say? I can't go to Indonesia and do that. I can't go. You understand what I'm saying? I can't go to Australia and do that. I can't go. There's a lot of places I can't go. I mean, it's nothing personal. I'm not, I'm not, there's some things you can't, it doesn't work everywhere. And sometimes what you, you don't understand is you think your formula for cooking is the way it has to be. That's why when you go on a job, sometimes the reason you don't get along with anybody on the job is because you go with your menu. And you salt up the whole department. You just start loud and you just rude and you just quiet. Shh, quiet. You come in the meeting, you talk too much. Put your hand down. You just got here. You're talking all, the whole meeting. You got, I got an opinion. Hey, time out. Earn the right to speak. Sometimes you're just too salty. And saved people can really be salty. They're just so saved and salty. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. We own the job. We on the job. I don't need you to be coming in here talking about the bread of life today. 
when, when I ask you to pass me the bread. I just need you to pass me the bread. You're an embarrassment to your whole family, everybody. Too, too much salt. That's why they don't want to go to your church. They don't want to be like you. They said they might transform me into you. They like Jesus. Listen to me. They like Jesus. They like God, but they don't like you. There's a difference. Let me say it one more time. They can, they can not like me, not like this church, and like Jesus. I, I have to be clear. Sometimes it's my gumbo ingredients that make people not want to come. It, it, it can be a lot of reasons. And so sometimes you need to back up a little bit. You don't have any friends. You don't, back up a little bit. Is it salty? You always borrow money. Every time you look around, you want to borrow something. Can I come over? No. It was over here last night at 12 o'clock. You don't want to come back in the morning? No, you get too much salt. Every time I look around, you hit my door. Stop calling me. Hang up. Don't text. No. Delete. No. Stop. Block the number. Too much. You love me too much. Where are you? What you doing? When you coming over? We going out today? No. I spent my last $10 on you last night. No. Too much salt. The gumbo is too strong. Choking me. Somebody say amen. Five common mistakes, you ready? Families make when cooking the family gumbo. Okay, I'm going to read them all, then I'll come back to them, okay? Number one, they don't take charge of family imbalance. The imbalance in families, they allow to go on and on and on and on. They, they, they can tell that this gumbo is not balanced, but they just let it go, ignore it. Second thing they do, they don't take charge of family strife. When the gumbo don't taste good and we're arguing about it and saying, this don't taste good. I don't like what's going on in our relationship. Things are, and they don't, they don't take charge of it. They just let it go on. Third thing, they don't take charge of family restoration. When things do get out of control and we do divide, they just, it, there's nobody to come in and save it. There's nobody to bring peace. There's no peacemaker. It just, it just goes on for years. Number four, they don't recognize their individual gumbo contribution. They don't realize what they put in the pot. This is not because of him alone, or her alone, or them alone. You put something in here. You're not always innocent. If you start with that premise, it's over. If you start with that as if you didn't do anything, it's over. Number five, you ready? They start blaming each other rather than the mix of the gumbo. They start blaming each other. And you sit there and you argue. Well, you did this, and you did that, and you said this, and you said that. Explain this to me. Explain that to me. I, man, I've done so much of that. Explain, explain. Okay, hey, 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 hey. Let's just say everybody crazy. <laughs> Let's start with that. Let's just put everybody out on the table. It, it, there's something about admitting the mix is the issue, not you and me, not you and I. We're okay. It's the mix. Change the mix, change the flavor, change the feeling. Change the mix, change the flavor, change the feeling. One more time. Change the mix, change the flavor, change the feeling. It's when I come home and it's nice. And it's not, it's not a correction. It's when I talk to my kids ten times, nine of them are not corrections. It's, it, it, it's assuming that every time I talk to you, there's something wrong with me. So after a while, I don't want to talk to you if I want to be encouraged. If you call me out of my name, well, hey, what kind of relationship do we have? So I'm a stupid blank, blank, blank. Okay, well, wow. Praise God. What am I, I mean, this mix, this does not work. This is why I don't do a lot of things. 
It's not because I'm super holy or anything. I just don't, it doesn't work. There's a few times, you know, I would kung fu dine verbally and take over and I'm the man, all that kind of foolishness. And then after a while, she's just looking sad and pitiful, gets quiet and goes in a little cocoon. I said, well, now, did that work? Did you, so you won the moment, but did that work? You embarrassed a member or you, you know, did that work? I understand you have to be, I, I mean, I can do what I have to do when I have to do it, but I'm just saying, think about this. Now, let me show you some examples of this, three examples specifically, two, two people, okay? One is going to be David and Absalom, the other one is Moses and Zipporah, okay? Now, I chose these two families because these two families are just great examples. Now, Absalom was a story in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I was going to teach on him the entire month, but I, he gets on my nerves, so I decided not to do it. You know? It just, the guy's got a problem. I mean, he's, just read it on your own, you'll see what I mean. You know, chapter 13, he starts off, going, chapter 13, 14, 15, he's just out of his mind. And, and so what I did was summarize it. This is all I can take, okay? So I summarize it for you. And what you see in him is imbalance. An imbalance that his father never fixed. The gumbo in this David's family, when it came to this one guy, was out of balance. You could taste this relationship and you knew it didn't taste good. Listen to what it said. Now, this is important to understand. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 37, where I'm going to start, Absalom is hiding because he's killed his brother. Now, Amnon, now David had, some say, 18, 18 wives plus concubines. That's another sermon. Listen to the last, last month's sermon called Bedroom Blindness, and you'll see what that's about. Well, anyway, so David has all these wives, so you understand there's a lot of baby, baby mama drama. So he had his third son was Absalom. His first son was Amnon. Amnon fell in love with the, his, his sister, which was Absalom's sister. So Absalom had a sister, and his sister, uh, they, they both had the same mom and daddy. Are you with me? And, and Amnon, you see, fell in love with his brother's sister. So he tricks her into the house, assaults her. Absalom finds out about it and then kills him later on. He waits gets some guys together, calls a big dinner, and kills him in front of the family. It's amazing. David's the only one not there. So after killing him, he goes and he hides. Now I want you to listen to what, what happens. And let me show you how this family gumbo is just out of balance. Watch what happens. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 37. But Absalom fled and went to Telmiah, the, the son of uh, uh, Amahud, king of Geshur. And David mourned, David mourned for his son how often? Every day, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, I miss you, I miss you. The one who killed your oldest son, right? Okay, keep reading. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there for how many years? Three years. Verse 39, King David longed to go to Absalom. For he, he longed to go, I want to go visit Absalom. I want to go on vacation with Absalom, the guy who killed your oldest son in front of the family. Now, David had the power to go get him. David had the power to bring him to justice. David had the power to do all that. The king of Gisha was not going to fight against David, trust me. David was the guy in, in the community that could make it happen. But David did nothing. This is important. The family's out of balance. It doesn't taste good, and he knows it, but he's ignoring the taste. So, for he had been comforted because of Amnon. So here's David with what I call an unhealthy addiction to his son. Hear that again. An unhealthy addiction to his son. This happens in families all the time. You love your kids, you love your kids, you love your kids so much that you can't say anything to them. This gumbo is out of balance. Another person comes in the family and tastes it and says, this, this is not right. That boy cuss you like that? Really? That boy does that? You kid, he bring the girls to the house and, and they stay all night? Really? Really? That don't taste right. 
There's something wrong with that plan. What is it about that? So you don't work? He doesn't work? You just lay around all night? Really? That doesn't taste good. There's something about other people tasting your gumbo, and they, they point it out to you. This tastes flat. David had a problem with imbalance and did not take charge. He allowed it to run. Read the story. Absalom eventually tried to take over the kingdom. It's amazing. You know, I always, I'm always amazed. This is true. This is just me. It's a thought. I'm always amazed when I hear parents say, I can't control him. He lives here and he won't do anything. Let me sit again. Say that again. He lives here for free. <laughs> right? Is that right? He lives in here. He's eating for free, right? And he won't do what? Okay. Good. All right. I got you. See, that's, that's, that's amazing. The only reason that's happening is because you haven't taken charge. Now, so you can go home and kick your kids out there. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to give that count. I'm just simply, I'm trying to get you to pause for a minute. You're praying for God to do something that you're supposed to do. You're asking God to do something that you're supposed to speak to. There's a moment in your life. You sit in your house and you smell weed all throughout your house. You know that's not air freshener. <laughs> you smell it. Don't you smell it? Smell it. It's all over the house. You know, it's, you know, if you smoke weed, everybody can tell you smoke it because you smell like it. It stays on you. You understand what I'm saying? How do you know? I saw TV. Okay, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> finish the sermon. No, I never did. I never could smoke. I, don't, I didn't smoke anything. I was, my smoking career was very bad. I tried one time. It was terrible. I just choked and everything. So after that, I said, I'm going to live, praise God. I never was good. But David saw imbalance. That's the point I want to make. And he never, ever, ever changed it. Imbalance does not taste good. To you or anybody. Second example I want you to see is Moses and Zipporah. Now this is important because this is a story that shows another side of imbalance. There's strife in this family and no one would take charge of it. And this is Moses and that's what makes the story so amazing. This is Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament. There's nobody greater, honest to God. This is the guy. Old Testament, Moses. Abraham, Moses, that's it. You can talk about Jacob and Esau and those guys. No, but I'm telling you, Moses was amazing. The, the founder, the, the guy who led Israel out of Egypt. He's married to a woman named Zipporah. And there, when Moses was a young person, he's 40 years old, he, um, he, he ran from Egypt because he killed this Egyptian guy. Because he was, he was, well, go back in the story a little bit. You know, he was, uh, first of all, his mom was a slave in Egypt. Had him. And Pharaoh decided he wanted to kill all the babies. So she didn't want Pharaoh to kill her baby. So she put him in, um, in a little basket and said, well, if they're going to kill him, uh, then I'm, I'm going to put him in the Nile. So she put him in the Nile River. And so he was floating up the Nile in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket. And Pharaoh's daughter said, go and get, there's a baby. There's a baby out there. So she sent her servants to get the baby. And pulled the baby in. It was Moses. And then she said, what a kid. And he was so beautiful. He looked up at it. Don't kill me. He looked up. <laughs> and so, so she liked, she fell in love with him, literally. And so they, Moses means drawn out. So he's drawn out of the river. So she then calls, this is so cool, Moses' mother and says, can you do me a favor and take care of this baby? She said, that baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. Then she paid her to take care of the baby. You know, God can work it out. Can't he work it out? <laughs> Come on, amen. God can work it out. Yes, he can. So, so anyway, so Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house, goes to you know, Harvard, gets educated, he's, you know, but he's an Egyptian. He's an Egyptian slash Jew kind of guy. So he's 40 years old. He feels his oats. He wants to take charge. He's feeling like taking charge, but he's taking charge too soon. 
So you got to take charge, but not take charge too soon or take charge the wrong way. So he sees this Egyptian guy being beat up, beating up on this Israeli guy. And he says, oh, man, I'm, he, he looks left, he looks right. He could have just told the guy to stop. He didn't. He had authority to say, just stop. He didn't. He killed the guy. Then they find out about it, so he, he runs. And now he has to leave everything, leave his mama, never saw his mama again, never saw his cousins again, never saw anybody again. Imagine that, right? So now he goes to Egypt for 40 years. He's now 80 years old when we get to him in the story. And now he's married to a Midianite woman. Now he's married somebody who is not from his culture. And in Moses' culture, circumcision was real important. Eight days after the baby was born, you circumcised the kid. That was a sign of your covenant with God. God wanted to mark them. So circumcision was really, really important. And, and, and it started with Abraham. And so Moses, obviously, and you'll see in a minute, was trying to get her to let him circumcise the baby. She wouldn't let it happen. Girlfriend said, no. So now Moses, okay, they let that go. And so it basically becomes a moment of strife they bury. You ever had those things? You know, you, you, you talk about something, the gumbo's so spicy, you let it go. Okay, we, we'll, we'll talk about this later. So years go by. Now Moses is out walking and he sees this fire burning, the burning bush. And he goes over to the burning bush and it's God. And God calls him to go and deliver Israel. So Moses takes off his shoes and he gets this word from God. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses says, I'm not worthy. So anyway, he ends up going. And now after all these years, he's 80 years old and he's on the way to the greatest sermon he's ever preached. His first sermon. He's on the way to something he's never imagined he would do. He's going to lead three million people to freedom. Oftentimes, things don't show up until you get promoted. And so now he's on the way, and while on the way, this amazing thing happens. Look at the text, Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. This amazing thing happens. It says, and it came to pass on the way. Read that with me, please. Come on. And it came to pass on the way. Listen, to the job promotion, on the way to the next level, on the way to the next opportunity, on the way to talk to Pharaoh. It came to pass that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. What, what was that about? Well, this was the moment where the Lord says, excuse me, you, you, you are going to work for me, right? You're going to represent me, right? Okay, well, there's one thing you forgot about. You're out of covenant, and your family's out of covenant. You guys are not obeying God. You're praying for me to exalt you. I'm telling you, listen, I'm, there's so many ways I can make this work and, and fit in your life. When, you know, you're, you're not in covenant. Here's why I tithe. Here's why I pray. Here's why I live right, because I, I want to be in covenant. Here's why I don't sleep around. I want to be in covenant. I don't want to stand up here and try to be anointed, and I'm not anointed at home. Say amen if you hear me. So, so here's a guy. Here's a guy. You almost want to clap on that, but don't. I understand. Well, go ahead. That's a good point. Come on, amen. That's a good point. You, you, you know what I mean? He is not. No, no. Clap like you really get what I'm saying. Come on, amen. That's a good point. There, there's so many guys that, and so many people that are, that are trying to represent God, but they're out of covenant. They're not obeying God. So what happens is he's on the way, on the way, and, and God stops and says, I'm going to kill you first. Now, now how, in King James, it's, it's like an angel standing there with a sword, but whatever, however you look at it and however you describe it, she knew he was about to be killed, whether he started choking, fell down, baby, 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 you know, whatever happens, she knows, she knows. See, a lot of times in families, you know what's in the gumbo. You know exactly what's there. Now watch this now. Verse 25. Then Zipporah took a sharp knife. This is important. She took a sharp stone. She grabs a rock, a sharp stone, and grabs her son and cuts off the foreskin of her, of her, own, of her son and casts it at Moses' feet. Now I want you to hear this. Uh, this is dramatic. My kids would have run. But I want you to see this. <laughs> she, she grabs him 
in his personal area and cuts off and, and circumcises him, no anesthesia. You know, he's yelling, blood's everywhere. Okay, this is real. And then she throws it at his feet. That is not accurate. Really, it wasn't the feet. It was a little bit higher. I'll leave it there. So she throws it at him. Yeah, you tell me what? Yeah, a little higher than his feet. That's just a way of saying that, and we in church, and I ain't going to say what it is. But anyway, so she throws it at him. You're thinking hard, aren't you? Yes, she's, she's a mess. Girlfriend got attitude. She's a mess. She throws and says, you are a man of blood to me. You are a man of blood to me. You are a man of blood to me. She is hot. Now, here's what happens. After this happens, Moses, catch this now. First of all, I want you to see two things. One, notice what happens when things are buried and never dealt with. This gumbo tastes like strife, always full of strife, and you know it, but you never deal with it. It's, it shows up in the most unlikely times of your life. Your business is growing, things are striving and going well, and now you and your wife are in divorce court. Over what? It waits for you. Strife waits for you. And then it, it raises his ugly head. Moses had the power as a leader of this family to fix this, but he didn't. Letting stuff just sit around and stew and you, you, everybody's mad, everybody's mad. And you, every time you sip this, you get around this person, you start grunting. See, deal with that. Before it gets in the way of your promotion. You know, I love to say this part about the story. Moses uh, sends her back to her father, Jethro, you'll see in a minute. You don't hear from her until chapter 18. You don't hear from her until later on. She is not even mentioned until chapter 18 of Exodus. After they come across the Red Sea, their kids missed all the miracles because of their strife. What have your kids missed because of your strife? The kids had to hear your daddy led us across the Red Sea. The kids had to hear from somebody else. It's amazing what your kids will miss. Because you spend all your time fighting. I love what Dr. Phil says. He calls it child abuse. Yelling and screaming and hollering and tension in the air all the time. This was a blow up that happened at the worst opportune time. Now, he's on the way to the greatest sermon with something on his mind. My wife's going back. He had to send her back. She could no longer travel the journey. This is so important. She can no longer travel this journey with me. She's that mad. She's that frustrated. So she goes back home. And there's no email. There's no phone. You can't tell daddy I'm coming. So you just show up at daddy's door one day. Hey, girl, what's up? What you doing here? And he tells her this story. And then the third thing happens, which I like. Watch this now. Now, let me just read this before I go any further. Go back. Under number two, I want you to see what, what happened. All this happened, I'll underline it for you, in chapter, Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. It came to pass, it said, it, I'm sorry, verse 26. All this happened because of the circumcision. I'll underline that for you. Do you see it? It's because of the what? Circumcision. That's, this was, this was a, a issue, an issue they did not resolve, the circumcision issue. She didn't want to circumcise her baby. And she refused. She would not submit to him. She would not go along. And because she made that decision, she ended up back home in a place she didn't want to be. But what's interesting is the Bible says this. I love this verse. Matthew 18, 19. Here's a principle. Again, I say to you that if two or three, two of you agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. If two of you agree, if one, two, if two of you agree, I love this. You ready? Say one, two. Come on. I need some fingers, people. Come on. Say one, two. Come on, say agree. agree. No, you got to put the finger on your right. Say, look at me. Say one, two. One, two. Agree. agree. If two of you can agree, God will never bless you the same way he will if, if you unite. If I try to manage the money by myself, I'll never do well. 
If I try to, if I even here, if I try to do everything by myself, it will never work. God demands that I, I bring somebody with me. He sent them out two by two. Some of you will never see the level of blessing in your life because you will not open up and allow anybody else in. You try to do everything yourself. It doesn't work. <coughs> Clean the house by yourself, cooking by yourself. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, it's too. If two of you can agree concerning anything they ask, he says, I'm there in the midst. I will bless you. I will be there. And I will. It will be done for them by my father for where two or three are gathered together. In my name, I am what there you will show up. You want to you want to make better choices. Bring somebody in. Somebody that will hold you accountable. Somebody will stop you. Somebody will say something to you. Open your life up, people. Stop trying to do it all yourself. You're trying to do it all yourself. You will fail. Your business will fail. Your body will fail. Your life will fail. I read something this morning. Somebody sent it to me. A devotion it was really cool. They said a pastor should get people arrested body. Bring God a, a, a studied message, arrested body and a, and, a, and, a, and a devoted spirit. A consecrated spirit. And God will bless that. You're trying to do too much. And you're not going to hear me. You're going to leave out here and do the same thing. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to run right into the wall. Moses ran right into a wall and, and it almost cost him a great opportunity. Number three. You ready? Please notice. An amazing thing happened. And this is a mistake. And these are mistakes, right? These are mistakes that people make when they cook the gumbo. They, they, they t don't take charge of imbalance, right? They don't take charge of family strife. And number three, they don't take charge of family restoration. I love Exodus 18 because this is where daddy brought Zipporah back home. If you, if you scroll down, notice what it said. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. That the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After he sent her back, after he sent her back, so I showed you, he sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. He said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses. He came. Daddy brought her back. He resolved the strife. He said, I'm taking you back to your man. Who does that for you? Sometimes families can see gumbo. They can, they can see strife, but there's no senior person to resolve it. I love the fact that restoration happens. That's the big mistake families make. They see strife, but no one says, let's, let's meet on this. Daddy says, I'm taking you back to your man. That, that, that's missing in a lot of families. The gumbo doesn't taste good. Grandmama knows it. Everybody knows it, but nobody's calling a meeting. He takes her back. We often talk about Jethro because he gave Moses some good advice about not working too hard and being balanced. And that's a good thing to read on your own. But I want you to see he brought her back. There's something powerful about that. Again, no email, no voicemail. He just shows up. Shows up and says, hey, here's your wife. I know what happened. I've talked to her. Here's your wife. It's a powerful lesson. A godly man in trouble. Two final points and I'm done. Mistakes that families make is they don't recognize that they all have a part in this. Everybody contributes. Everybody. The Bible says in Romans 12, we're to give God our whole body, give God our whole mind. That's my responsibility. I'm supposed to focus on me. 
I need to give God, I need to understand that I have a role and I have a part that I play. Stop thinking that you don't. God calls me to not act like the world, to not be shaped by the world around me. Just because other people treat their mates that way, I can't. Just because other people do that, I can't do it. My body belongs to God, my life belongs to God. And finally, I need to stop blaming other people. I don't blame Diane when we have issues. It's the mix. I look at the gumbo mix and I tell myself I need to do something. And here's what I do. How do you fix it? I'm going to give you five steps. You ready? Number one, add water to the seasoning. Sometimes you need to, you know, if it's too much salt, just put water in it. More time, more money, more patience, more listening. I need to, I need to spread it out a little bit. There's too much salt in here. Sometimes that works. If that doesn't work, look, talk before you season. Decide what you want the flavor to taste like. Can we talk before we start seasoning? Problem is, sometimes when you get married, you bring salt with you. Let's just stop. Water the pot. Talk before we season. And here you go. Think before you season. Ask yourself, what will this taste like if I say these words? If I look at you and say, you are the most trifling, ugliest woman I could ever, what, what, what is that? How do you erase that? What will I do to this seasoning if I walk up to a student and say, you know, I've taught a lot of people in my life, but I have never taught anybody. I've never had good handwriting. I remember this. It's amazing how I remember this. I never have had good writing. I, I mean, it's terrible. I had to practice. I had to think hard. And I remember I went and I applied for a job once. And I remember this lady looked at my application and she mocked my writing. I remember the hospital I went to. I remember the place, and I remember what she said. And I, and I thought to myself, I was going to say, now see, uh-huh. I can look at I hope you're looking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> what's interesting is I remember those stinging words. I remember her face. I remember her. I remember her. Because what she said, it was, a, it was an amazing moment. What will this taste like? If I do this, if I say this, and number four, sometimes nothing works but emptying the pot. Sometimes when you're overseas and you got to empty the pot, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Honey, listen, brother, listen, man, this, this, we've gone through so much, said too much, too much seasoning in here, too much salt, pepper, whatever. Let's empty the pot, wash it out, start over. New water, new, new gumbo, new, new, new ingredients. Let's start over. But I can't forgive. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus started over with you. Empty the pot and start over. Diane and I do this all the time because there's some issues we just can't agree on. And then lastly, plan and compromise before you start seasoning again. Couples, kids, everybody get together and say, we're going we're gonna to sort this out. No, everybody, everybody's hands in your pocket. Everybody in the pocket. This is what we're going to put. Two tablespoons of salt. Three tablespoons of thyme. Four tablespoons. We're not going to work like this no more. The schedule has to change. I scared a parent the other day. I said, your family's too busy to be successful. You're running around like crazy people. You've got to pause. This is too much. It will always taste this way until you change. So what are you doing to contribute? To the taste of your gumbo. What are you doing? What's your part? What can you bring to the table? 
Some of you people say, well, Pastor, I'm trying to empty the pot, but it's too big. Get help. Go to counseling. Reach out. Let somebody help you. Pause for a moment and be honest about your life. This doesn't taste good, and it's just choking everybody. The words we use, the way we communicate, the way we think. And maybe it's time to make a decision. So next week, I'm going to challenge you to do that. Are you glad you came? Come on, praise God. Glad you came too. Father God, I thank you for the service today. Thank you for all that's been said. We leave this place inspired and motivated today. I pray for people who are in this room who would say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. My life has not been, I've not been serving God. Some would say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Some would say, I need to be a member of this church. I need to be a part of a place like this where I can grow. I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to touch those who come here today who need that in their lives. Who need to say, Lord, this is the day I give you my life. I pray for them in Jesus' name. I pray this would be a breakthrough for them. And God, I believe you're going to do in them what only you can do. In the name of Jesus. Everyone say amen. You may be new here. You may be visiting us. But I want you to think about something. I just prayed. I just prayed three prayers. For people who want to give their lives to Jesus, who want salvation, the word salvation means